Welcome to the LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast. A summary of recent news stories from the pages of LexisNexis Mealy's Pollution Liability Report and interviews with attorneys and experts on issues involving environmental law and climate change. On this edition, Brad Martin of the Martin Law Group on Great Expectations, President-elect Obama's environmental and energy policies. Barack Obama had a number of key environmental positions over the course of his campaign. To discuss what may lie ahead is Brad Martin, the founder and managing partner of the Martin Law Group. With offices in Seattle and Portland, Martin Law Group advises clients on all aspects of environmental law, helping companies and public agencies with challenging environmental land use and natural resource matters. Martin Law Group has teamed with Jenner and Block to provide emerging issues analysis on the LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center, which can be accessed via the Environmental and Climate Change link on the LexisNexis Communities page at www.lexisnexis.com communities. The Martin Law Group also has a newsletter containing important developments in environmental law and regulation that's available on the firm's website at www.martinlaw.com. That's M-A-R-T-E-N law.com. Brad and other members of the Martin Law Group have recently written an emerging issues analysis for LexisNexis entitled The Great Expectations, President-Elect Obama's Environmental and Energy Policies. Brad, thank you for being part of this LexisNexis podcast. You've been practicing for 25 years as an environmental lawyer. What's different as you look ahead to the Obama administration? Well, Steve, I think that you have in environmental law today almost a sea change in how environmental lawyers are going to be expected to practice and the things they're going to be called upon to do. We used to be uh, in our practice somewhat in silos. You had environmental lawyers that did pollution-related work, and you had land-use lawyers who worked on on development, and you had energy lawyers who who worked on uh, uh, energy projects and bringing energy online. What you have now is a confluence of those three practice areas so that the climate change practice is front and center on the minds of environmental lawyers, energy lawyers, and land use lawyers. And in many respects, uh, all of us that practice in this field have to be essentially all three. We have to at least be competent in all three areas because all three of those practice areas and some others that are related are going to be necessary in order to to really bring development, energy development online you know, in the next few years, which is, which is very much what the new administration's priority is to be. So what do you think the prospects are for climate change legislation? Well, you know, I think climate change legislation is one way that you're going to see this administration go. But I think that we're not going to get climate change legislation before we get what I'll call essentially green economy legislation. The the climate change area is very complicated. I think that even if the Obama administration wanted to put a climate cap-and-trade bill front and center in the first 100 days, it would be, and I'm not sure that would be the best idea, but if they did want to do that, I think it would be very tough without some tremendous leadership on the part of the administration to get a a bill like that through Congress next year. There are a lot of competing interests. There are a lot of complexities. Uh, There are state programs that have to be integrated with the federal programs. And I think the area is one that 
Well, well, very much a priority of administration um, and very much a priority of uh, the business and the environmental community is acknowledged to be an area that is contentious, that is uh, complex, and that is going to require uh, quite a lot of, of thought and debate and compromise in order to get something done. So I think the prospects in 2009, while anything is possible, are relatively modest. I think the prospects within the next couple of years, two to three years of getting federal climate change legislation enacted are pretty good. But I tend to think that what the Obama administration will focus on first is the economy. And to the extent that the economy is tied to the development of what I'll call green infrastructure projects, things that improve energy production, transmission, and more energy efficiency, I think you'll see a lot of changes coming in that direction because there are things that can be done through a economic stimulus package as opposed to things that can be done through a, a more contentious debate over some of the allocation issues that are going to arise in the climate uh, cap-and-trade debate. So there really won't be climate change legislation uh, until you get green economy legislation. I think that's right. I, I think the kinds of bills that you'll probably see coming out of the administration early on will be things that focus on infrastructure, uh, things that focus on green jobs. Uh, President-elect Obama talked about creating a large number of new jobs in the, the unions, many of whom are losing jobs, of course, in other sectors, are, are very much behind those efforts in order to try to, to sustain their membership by retooling to really focus on green infrastructure projects. And by that, I mean things that are going to go to greater transportation efficiency, that are going to go to building transmission lines, that are going to go to water infrastructure projects, things that we really need in order to bring online some of the new technologies that people are talking about. You need to be able to get the power to the grid. And in order to do that, you sometimes you have to build roads, you have to build transmission facilities, you have to build substations, you have to really have quite a bit on the ground in order to facilitate uh, that sort of energy production. So there could be some things done without legislation. Uh, you think there could be some rule changes that could be affected possibly? That's, that's right. Early on in that administration, there are some rules that I think the incoming administration will look at very quickly. There's, there's a very controversial ESA consultation rule that the Bush administration has been discussing and is is uh, committed to to pass before the end of their administration, and that would essentially change in a fundamental way uh, the consultation process under the ESA. And this was published as a proposed rule a couple of months ago. And basically, what it says is that an agency that is going to approve or permit a federal action can decide itself whether it needs to consult with the Federal Fish and Wildlife Service about whether the uh, impacts of that action uh, are going to potentially harm threatened or endangered species. Um, the rule now is that basically they're required to consult with the resource agencies before they can go ahead and permit a project to proceed. So. This would have, for example, the Department of Transportation essentially deciding itself whether a transportation project had an impact on the on threatened or endangered species. Environmentalists, of course, think that this is the fox guarding the chicken coop 
and that there needs to be more of a check and balance, and that's why you have the resource agencies weighing in through a consultation process on whether there's an impact. But sometimes when they weigh in, they'll stop a project. You know, the, the Bush administration has, has sought to streamline, if you will, the ESA process so that the projects can can proceed more rapidly. The environmental community doesn't like that. That's a very controversial rule, uh, as you can imagine, and it's one that the incoming administration, I'm sure, is going to take a a hard look at, and most people think would not be looking favorably on on changing the current process of of having that check and balance. So that ESA rule is one thing that the administration could do just, in essence, without Congress. Are there many others that could be addressed as well? Probably the biggest one, the grand granddaddy, is this greenhouse... Oh, greenhouse gas emissions, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the background to this, as many of your listeners will know, is that the Supreme Court uh, in Massachusetts versus EPA decided that EPA could regulate greenhouse gases under the Clean Air Act, and then turned it back to the agency to decide whether and how to do so, and to make a so-called endangerment finding, which is which is necessary in order to to proceed with rulemaking. Well, the agency hasn't made that finding. In fact, what the agency and the Bush administration did is say that they really shouldn't proceed under the Clean Air Act to regulate greenhouse gases, and that the that that greenhouse gases should be something that's regulated under legislation, the kind of legislation we were talking about earlier, rather than through a rulemaking. But the Obama administration may look at it differently. They may direct the EPA to go ahead and regulate greenhouse gases through the Clean Air Act, which which the Supreme Court has told them they have the power to do. And if they do that, we could see you know very significant new rulemaking, potentially even a sort of cascading of of new rules and requirements on developments of all kinds, because right now we emit greenhouse gases without treating them as a pollutant and without any rules or regulations required or mitigation required as to how we do so. If suddenly the, those releases are not subject to regulation, you'll see you'll see uh, a very different rulemaking and, and permitting scheme, uh, and that will undoubtedly affect a lot of a lot of projects. So that's a that's a very, very big decision that the incoming administration, the incoming EPA administrator is going to have to make. You've been talking about things on the federal level. I imagine there are things that states have been doing as well on their own. Well, that's right. And, and, and they have been doing these things largely without substantial involvement or participation by the federal government. And that's going to change too. There was a there was a meeting in uh, California of governors and other leaders who uh, have been involved in their own state or regional rulemakings, compacts, and development of their own sort of regional cap-and-trade systems. And this was a long-planned conference to share information about what people were doing at the state level. Well, in a somewhat surprising uh, appearance, there was a video presentation by the president-elect who came on the screen to say, you know, the federal government, in my administration, is going to want to work with you and take this on together, which is certainly something that the Bush administration has never signaled to the states. So the idea that there's going to be a state-federal partnership, if you will, is is certainly a, a change in approach. And exactly how that gets done is going to be quite interesting. There's There's a lot of interesting ideas uh, in various states about what to do about 
reducing greenhouse gas emissions, and also a lot of interesting ideas about sort of uh, incentives for green economic development. Not all of them are going to be things that that uh, federal lawmakers, national lawmakers are going to be receptive to, how you work together, which ones are preempted, whether there's preemption at all in what areas. Those are going to be some complex issues that, that uh, again, this incoming administration is, is going to... Uh, to have to face. But there's quite a lot that's been going on in the states and it can't be ignored. Yeah, and I imagine too that the changes in Congress will have an impact as well. Well, we have two things in this new administration. We have some new players within the executive branch. We have some new players within the congressional branch. And uh, frankly, we may have some new players in the judicial branch if if President-elect Obama has the opportunity to appoint new members of the Supreme Court. So there are a lot of a lot of changes in personnel, and I think those are going to be very significant. Of course, any time there's a change in administration, they would be be so, but I think in this case, you've got also almost a change in generations. Uh, you've got new people coming in to leadership positions in Congress who are going to have a different view towards some fundamental uh, environmental and energy issues. Just two examples. You have Ted Stevens, who, of course, lost his seat and has been an ardent supporter of uh, oil development in in Alaska. And you have you have now some new leadership up there, and that will undoubtedly impact the debate about uh, offshore oil development in in the country, because Senator Stevens is a very strong proponent uh, of that. I think his his successor is actually a proponent as well, but certainly not in as strong a leadership position as Senator Stevens has been uh, with regard to that issue. Even more significantly, there was a change in the head of the uh, the House Energy and Commerce Committee with longtime Representative Dingell ousted, essentially, by, by uh, Representative Waxman. And Representative Waxman has been a longtime member of, of Congress who has been much more favorably disposed toward more stringent environmental regulation over the course of his career than Representative Dingell has been. So I think you'll see in the shaping of the new legislation, if you will, that there's a sort of a more aggressive environmental bent to some of the legislation that is being considered than would have been considered if the chairmanship had remained in the, the hands of, of, of that other older generation. But those folks are passing the baton to, I think, a, a new group that, with the president-elect, is going to look at these issues quite a bit differently than their predecessors. There's, it's interesting, in Congress now, there's sort of a California cabal. There's uh, the, the key leadership positions on issues that are going to impact energy and the environment are all held by Californians. Uh, you have Senator Boxer, who chairs the key committee over on the Senate side. Now you have Representative Waxman, her counterpart, uh, on the House side. And uh, you have, of course, Representative Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. And there's some discussion with regard to whether a Californian may fill the role of EPA administrator. There are, there are several names of, of uh, very highly qualified candidates who, who come from that state as well. So, you know, you look to California and what California has been doing and what Governor Schwarzenegger has been doing to get a sense of what may be coming at the federal level because you've got an awful lot of folks who are grounded and originate in that state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Brad, what would you advise businesses to do right now? 
Well, I'm asked that question a lot. (laughs) You know, I think this is a time where things are changing very, very quickly. And obviously the key is to stay on top of those developments. And however business tends to do that, they should they should continue, of course, to do so. It's a tough time for business, and the idea of being saddled with additional costs uh, and regulation and commitments is, is certainly something that is going to be very pressing on management's mind. I think you've got to look at this as an opportunity to see where in one's business there may be some positives as opposed to negatives that come out of developing rules and regulations that surround climate change. To the extent that this is a this is a, a burden on business, first of all, I think it's going to be difficult to get that sort of legislation through Congress. I think Congress is going to be very sensitive to the fact that business is already burdened, people are, are, uh, are hurting, and burdening them with more expensive requirements is, is not going to be a very tangible, a, a very saleable proposition. But I think that creating incentives, I think creating tax incentives, creating jobs, job opportunities, job training programs, loan guarantees, the sort of things that are going to lead businesses to look uh, at the, the green economy opportunities and invest in those areas uh, as part of their business plan, those things are going to be, of course, favorably, much more favorably viewed. And, and I would encourage businesses to look for those opportunities and to speak out for them and to lobby on behalf of them and to get their ideas out there because I, I frankly think that folks in Congress will be receptive to that, be looking for new ideas, and that there's a real opportunity for business to have a substantial and near-term impact on the development of uh, energy and environmental policy in a, in a way that really does promote business interests and promotes environmental interests at the same time. These all sound like concepts and ideas and thoughts that would uh, make great articles for a newsletter. (laughs) Your firm publishes one, as a matter of fact. How often does it come out? Well, thanks for the commercial, Steve. (laughs) Uh, We have been publishing the newsletter for about three years, and it's available on our website where you can also subscribe. So the commercial message is www.martinlaw, with an E-N, M-A-R-T-E-N-L-A-W.com is where you can find that information. And it's free. And what we try to do is let our uh, clients and our friends and colleagues around the country know what is what we regard as the most significant developments each week in our, our field and help them follow some of those, uh, those developments. So, you know, this week we're writing about the renewable portfolio standards, something we didn't get a chance to talk about today, but has to do with... Uh, with opportunities for alternative energy companies to sell into utilities, things like wind power and solar power, because their states are requiring the utilities to buy that sort of alternative power. Um, so there are a lot of opportunities, business opportunities, for for project development in the alternative energy field, and we run an article about, about that. So we run two stories. We run them each uh, Wednesday or Thursday. We're not a news news organization like yours, but we do think that we can help people keep abreast of these of these developments. And it helps our lawyers, frankly, stay on top of, of their field. And that's really why we do it, is to make sure our, our own lawyers are, are uh, the experts that we hold them out to be. Well, we appreciate your comments, your views, your explanations on things to come with the new administration, and we look forward to having you back again for an update on many of these issues. 
And we remind people to visit the LexisNexis communities for your emerging issues analysis on these topics at www.lexisnexis.com communities. And they can click on the environmental and climate change link. Brad Martin of the Martin Law Group, thank you very much for being part of this LexisNexis podcast. Thank you very much. Did you know? Did you know? There are LexisNexis community pages for insurance law, products liability and toxic torts, real estate and bankruptcy. Did you know? There are LexisNexis community pages for workers' compensation law, environmental and climate change, tax law, emerging issues, and more. Did you know? Every LexisNexis community gives you the opportunity to read, listen to, and comment on a wealth of content specific to each practice area. Did you know? You can register for free and can access all of our community pages from one central location. Join the LexisNexis communities. www.lexisnexis.com slash communities. This has been the LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast. Copyright 2008 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Burstler. Thank you for listening.